0: Are
1: either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie! It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks! You sorry? You waste all our film! (laughs) It's so bad! Well, if a movie week can be quiet and not so quiet at the same time, this might be the week. Because (laughs) with releases kind of quiet, but... We got the Oscar nominations this week. Big so th- news. That is big news that we definitely will talk about. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com and the Screening Room Podcast is presented by the Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot wide ultra
0: screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and dream lounger recliners.
1: The big screen might be a good one for the first release we're going to talk about this week because I believe it does come in an IMAX Super Deluxe Disco version. (laughs) And it's the third installment of the Maze Runner series. Young hero Thomas embarks on a mission to find a cure for a deadly disease known as the Flare Virus. It's the Maze Runner, the Death Cure. They took you because you're immune to a plague that's wiping out the human race. They think you're worth sacrificing to find a cure.
0: We'll never stop so we're stop them. The last city. Ricketts' whole base of operations.
1: It's the Lions' den, hermano. That's where we're going. Three years we spent behind walls, trying to break out. Now we're trying to break back in.
0: Thomas, you can save your friends.
1: Or you can save us all.
0: So this is the first one I might have been interested in, right? Because you tell me there's zombies in it. They're not really zombies. They're, well, they, then they, they no. They resemble
1: zombies. They're not really back from the dead so much, but when they catch this this virus, they do come at you. So like
0: the 28 days later zombies.
1: A little bit, yeah. And they're, and they're very, you know, their veins start flaring, and they have that look. So it's a very it's a very zombie-like type of virus. But yeah, um, it's afflicting. It's becoming an epidemic here in this dystopian future of the Maze Runner films, but some people appear immune Mm -hmm. to the virus. Mm -hmm. A lot of the young adults appear immune, so the the evil adults are rounding them up for research purposes. And uh, one of those that is rounded up, one of the gang from the original group, and that's Minho. And it's actually, the opening prologue to the movie is pretty exciting Mm. as they get together and bust him out of this train. This sort of storyline brings in some obvious... Thematic correlations. There, there's some Holocaust stuff that you could yeah, easily sure. come into play, mm-hmm. and some other type of social commentary in the movie. Uh, but it, it never gets that deep. The main thing this movie has going for it is the action sequences. It's directed by a guy named Wes Ball, who has directed all three of these now. The main and nothing else, right? And really, nothing else. He at least at least a feature length. He's done some shorts. So, and he came from a visual effects background he was a visual effects supervisor i think and he he definitely has a flair and an eye for composition of a well done action sequence so that's really not the problem here the problem is what comes in between those action sequences and how much of it they devote time to and i mean a lot of time because january this january why is it the month for 2 hour and 20 minute films <laughs> i mean most everything we've seen this month how long is it? Two hours and 20 minutes. I know, man. Oh. Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves That was, was a surprise to me. A <laughs> yeah. Gerard
0: Butler, January Action yeah. Relief. 220, really? Yeah, wow. And
1: this one is 220, and it is... A lot of times with those movies, you come out of there thinking, boy, if they would have shaved half an hour, they could have shaved an hour oh, from I'm this. Oh, sure, I'm yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they try to connect it with this dramatic narrative that just doesn't warrant it. It just doesn't. There's not enough there to connected into a movie that keeps your interest that long. But Will Poulter returns in this one. Will Poulter is back in this we one. We love Will Poulter. Yeah, he's, he's so good. He is so talented. And uh, he, I don't he know is, what he's doing in
0: this movie, but well, he is very talented. he was part of
1: the original movie, and when he, he is so talented that when he shows back up, you're like, oh. Acting. Su- yeah, suddenly the talent level <laughs> of this young cast. I mean, they're not horrible, but boy, he raises the bar a lot mm-hmm. uh, when his character comes back, and it heads toward a big, explosive finale in the last city that everybody is is inhabiting and trying to find this cure. And you've got Patricia Clarkson. Oh, who, she's glorious! Yeah. What and is she doing in well, this movie? Well, she's basically playing the the Kate Winslet. I just stand around uh, from the role. insurgent from movies. The Insurg- it's the same thing. <laughs> or she just stands there in a pantsuit. And <laughs> I mean, you, you, that's all. Yeah. I think one. Okay. I think in another scene she's sitting down. Mm. But I mean you could easily see a scenario where she's not really in this at all. Mm. She's and,
0: just the untrustworthy female authority figure. Yeah, like what are figure? her motives? You know, like Julianne Moore in
1: the uh, yeah, from, Hunger Games. Yeah, you'll see elements, obvious elements from Hunger Games and Insurgent and so many of these young adult... Dystopian uh, futures. Yeah, these young adult movies and books. So, But it's not so bad that you can't see how... There could have been something here. Mm. It's just buried under so much bloat uh, going for this emotional depth that they're so far away from. Mm. Yeah, if they could have shaved, really, I'm not kidding, a full hour off of this thing, then the set pieces would really pop and you'd move on to the next one and and it would really mask the lack of a deep story and, mm. and just feel like kind of a breathless ride. I think it it could have been something a lot more than it is. So uh, really a movie where the, the running time and the devotion to a, a story that just doesn't hold up really sinks it in the end and that's the death cure the last in the maze runner trilogy and the next one to talk about this week is another release that's just expanding wide after opening in the big cities earlier to be in qualification for the Oscars and that is a western set in eighteen ninety two a legendary army captain reluctantly agrees to escort a cheyenne chief and his family through dangerous territory it's hostiles captain you
0: do know chief yellow hawk the army wants to be certain that the chief gets home to Montana safely, without incident.
1: I've killed savages, because that's my job. You have no idea what war it does to man. I hate them. I got a war bag of reasons to hate them.
0: This will be done, and it will be
1: done by you. The parade's over.
0: Put them in chains. It's walked or crawled. If you do it enough,
1: you get used to it. That's what I'm afraid of.
0: Here's another one coming in at 220. 220 for this one, too? Yeah. That's the magic. I think we should play that.
1: The <laughs> or some sort of thing. 220. That's... That's the lucky number. It well, makes
0: more sense here. Yeah, I it can does. See that, yeah. It's a western, yeah. and it's kind of a test of endurance, and so it it really makes a lot more sense. You're going to feel the length, but but uh, it, it's a slow. It's intentional in yeah. that way. Scott I could, Cooper, I see that. Yeah, writer director who did. Uh, Boy, did Crazy Heart, Black Mass, and Black
1: Mass, Not out a lot of the of, furnace. Yeah, out of the furnace. Not a
0: lot of good time. Pretty serious, yes. and in this
1: case, pretty brutal.
0: Yes, Christian Bale plays the the army captain who has spent his entire career—in fact, he is on the verge of retiring— and he spent his entire career fighting with American Indians. So his last assignment is to escort Cheyenne Chief Yellowhawk, played by West Duty, and his family— from the prison barracks, where they've kept them for the last seven years, from New Mexico to Montana so that the chief can die with his people. And so it's in a certain way, it's kind of a road picture, right? I mean, you know, he doesn't want to do it. He has really no choice. He gathers together some of his uh, most loyal soldiers and they start this, what he refers to as a parade. And along the way, you know, adventures happen. They're not good adventures. They're brutal and bloody. And so, you know, along Along the way, a lot of lessons are learned so that by the time whoever is left in this traveling group, when they make it to Montana, they've really changed their minds about just about everything. Christian Bale is magnificent in this movie. He He's just jaw-droppingly, kind of devastatingly wonderful in this movie. And the entire cast is really very, very strong. The film is so heavy. It's so mirthless that it is kind of a test of your own endurance to stick it out. But Mm -hmm. the other... And it's also really brutal and bloody. I think the problem that I have with this more than anything is that the point of the film is really to show you how even the most entrenched, racist, grizzled whites of the wild, wild west, Mm -hmm. they can see humanity and then find their own humanity given the opportunity. The problem with the film, which was written and directed by a white man, is that the American Indian characters aren't characters they are not ever given the opportunity to have any kind of arc or to change in any way so first of all you have the prisoners the family the prisoners who are 100% wise and good and then you have these nameless apaches who attack periodically and they're nothing but 100% is it's all just black and white they're just savage they're Mm -hmm. just brutal and given the themes of the film this stands out even more
1: yeah Yeah, because where the aim of Cooper, who also wrote the who also adapted the the screenplay, you can see his aim is well intentioned, but by doing that, by having such shallow characters peripherally, it doesn't help. It doesn't do any favors to the point he's trying to make. No, none at all. Because he
0: still the film still sees the Native American characters as Stereotypes.
1: Yeah, either one, either yep. one thing or the other. Yep. that's unfortunate because uh, you've got a, a, an incredible cast. Not only Christian Bale, you mentioned Wes Studi, who's oh, yeah. of course had a long, long mm-hmm. uh, career, and Rosamund Pike. Mm-hmm from Gone Girl, mm-hmm. uh, is here as well. So Ben Foster yeah, has ben an Foster. interesting
0: and small role, but it's funny, so when Ben Foster showed up, and I did not realize he was in this film, I immediately thought of the other Ben Foster, Christian Bale, Western, 310 yeah. to Yuma. Yeah. And then, And it's funny, it hadn't entirely settled in on me how grim and morose this film was until I thought about 310 to Yuma and thought, God, that'd be a lot more fun to
1: watch right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely times when, you know, a good Western is a, like a nice jolt where you can get one. And that was one, oh, yeah. 310 to Yuma was, was one. It was. It was fun. Uh, because they, they that genre certainly has their fans. But this one, I think you'd have to, first of all, go in eyes wide open to what you're in for, because like you said, there's some brutality here and some perseverance to stick it out for yeah. the running time yeah. and the experience. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely something of merit here, but... It could have been more. It's
0: gorgeous. It is a gorgeous film to watch. It's incredibly beautifully filmed. And the performances are are really very strong, especially Christian Bale, as is so often the case. It's not as if it's a waste of your time. I just found it, Disappointing. I think maybe my expectations were too high, but I was disappointed yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I, I think
1: uh, mine were were pretty high as well. As we said, it was released earlier in the big cities to be qualified for the Oscar nominations. Didn't get any. No, at least any of merit. Any no. Of, no, maybe none at all. No. But of course, the Oscar nominations did come out this week. And, what? And overall, I think you know, top to bottom, not bad. It's funny, at least for me. This year, most of my biggest, really all of my biggest beefs, come in small, smaller categories. Right. I think my biggest beef comes in the documentary category. Uh, yeah. I could, I couldn't believe Jane was not nominated. No, could not believe it, and I was a little less surprised, but still, the fact that whose streets wasn't nominated, I uh, yeah, was, made you sad. Amaz- yeah, yeah. But but Jane, I thought was a shoe in. Uh, yeah, I, I think really most did. people did. They that surprised me.
0: The, this- <laughs> The category that upset me the most was... And I knew that it was a weak year for it. I'm not saying otherwise. Animated feature. Yeah, it was a weak year. But yeah. but Ferdinand, <laughs> Ferdinand and, and is... The boss Baby. Ferdinand is mediocre at best. The Boss Baby is
1: god-awful. Yeah.
0: God-awful.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You you would think sometimes you see a category that has just like three nominations yeah. and let's leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yes, that would have been a good choice. here. Yeah, that would have been a good choice. But for
0: the, for the big ones, for the big categories, uh, uh, you know... If I have a
1: complaint,
0: it is that Darkest Hour got
1: nominated for Best Film. Yeah, I think the, the two in the film that jump out at us are Darkest Hour and The Post. Now, The Post was better than Darkest Hour, but I don't think either one of those w- we would have nominated for Best Picture. There's there's other things that should have gone in there before that, yeah, before no. either of those movies. We're talking things like The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Rich
0: got zero love. The
1: Florida Project. Oh, yeah. you know One of my really dark horse favorites, A Ghost Story. Uh, even something like Mudbound. Yeah, yeah. You know, um,
0: Mudbound or, so the, the two that I thought probably had the The best chance given that they each of them received three other nominations were Mudbound and Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And I I would far and away have preferred to see either of those get that slot than Darkest Hour, which isn't a bad film by any stretch. It's not but it's it's, more
1: for the performance. Yes. The the film
0: itself was, was fairly confined and and fairly traditional. It's definitely the performance that, you know, that you remember from that film. Whereas Mudbound was a phenomenal ensemble really piece. Was. And it was it really beautiful was. to look at and it was the storytelling was magnificent. And speaking of beautiful to look at, oh my God, Blade Runner was was a spectacle. You know, it, it and, really, and yeah. uh and, and I'm sorry that it didn't get any more love than it did. It got a lot of technical achievement nominations, but
1: nothing else. Yeah it was nice it was nice to see Mary J. Blige's nomination because not only for Get her work, for yeah. her work, but the fact that it's drawing more attention to that movie, right? Exactly, uh, a Netflix movie, which hopefully more people will, will seek out. But yeah, I think it's a lock. There are two locks here. Real, just just lock it down. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Yes, is one, and the rest of the nominees there in that category, best male lead, solid. Yeah, solid. Not a lot of not a lot of nits to pick on that one. No, and, no. And then the other lock is lead female actor, Frances and that's Frances McDormand. McDormand. Yeah, for three billboards. Um the rest of those nominees, you know, I think Meryl Streep. Now it's almost like a birthright uh, yeah. for her, and not that she wasn't great in the post. She, she was great. Was. She absolutely she's was great. great. It's a solid list of nominees with Sally Hawkins. I w- it was nice to see uh, Margot Robbie get it for yeah. I Tanya, yeah, because even though in the best supporting uh, category, all most of the attention for that movie, I is going to Allison Janney, right? Believe so. Forget that Margot Robbie was great. She was great. She was great. She was great. In she that was movie. great. And then Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, a, a fine performance. I don't think she has any chance of winning. No, uh, but she's going to win one someday. Yes, she is. She is. She, is she so absolutely good. is. She's going to win one. Yeah, but the best, maybe the biggest fight is going to be in that supporting female actor category. You've got Allison Janney, who's been winning most of the stuff so far, but still, I think Lori Metcalf and Lady Bird has a shot.
0: Yes, I agree. You know, before all of the awards, all of the, you know, sort of more minor uh, awards sh- ceremonies and everything, I really thought they were probably neck and neck. At this point, I would definitely give the odds to Allison Janney, but I wouldn't be incredibly surprised if Lori Metcalf came away with it, because she was amazing
1: yeah. in that film. Yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting one. And the rest of that category, uh, supporting female, uh, Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread. I was so happy to see she's, that. I, I was so, so happy to see that. She's so good and that was nice. And, and I
0: didn't think she would get noticed because I'd not yeah, heard anybody else release anything but it, she was she was absolutely perfect in that film and yeah. I was
1: so happy to see her on this list. And we mentioned uh, Mary J. Blige and the other one in supporting female, Octavia Spencer, The Shape of Water. Now, nothing against her performance. No, she was very good as she there, always is. Yeah, but there were a couple others I might have liked to have seen in there instead of her and number 1 would be a hong chow from downsizing. Yeah.
0: You know what? So that movie got so a little many people muddled. Hated it. I didn't hate it. I didn't it either. was muddled. It 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 had tonal shift problems, but it's it's almost like you like you said earlier with the Maze Runner when Will Poulter came on screen Hong Chau owned that movie. She did. She owned it. She came it. on there and she had no she knew exactly what her character was supposed to be doing. Once she was there, the film had direction. Yeah. She owned that movie, and I would yeah. really, really have
1: liked to have seen little, her get nominated. Surprised. I thought she would get I a did nomination. Too. And then over in supporting male, maybe it's not a lock it down, but it's pretty close. Sam Rockwell and Three Billboards yeah, has at been this point, winning yeah. pretty much everything. Yeah. And he's up against Woody Harrelson from the same movie. Right. And then Willem Dafoe. Yep. Uh, Richard Jenkins. And Christopher Plummer, all the money in the world, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a surprise. Not that he wasn't very good; he really was. But um, that was a that was a perform that was a category that had some other performances that, at least, I think, might have gone in. Instead of Christopher Plummer. Well, you know what,
0: this uh, and every year there is one like this, but this is a category where you could have had ten. You could have. You could have yeah. had ten. I mean, you could have said, "We're just going to have tie after tie after tie" because Army Hammer was so mm-hmm. good. Call me by in your name. Call me by your name, and that probably wouldn't even be Will Poulter.
1: Will Poulter in from Detroit. Detroit. Uh, Barry Keegan from oh, killing, Barry of a Hill, of, killing of a Sacred Deer. Even <gasps> uh, even somebody like Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah, it was a small part in Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, but yeah. There's this was a really stacked. Category. And by the way, speaking of Call Me By Your Name, which is one of the best picture nominees, I and just, actor. Yeah, an actor for Timothy Chalamet, who was great. I just read today that the director, Luca Guardinino. I believe. We got to have a tough name. That's <laughs> right. At least one per week. Has planned has this planned as sort of like a continuing story, like the before sunrise type of thing. Wow! Where he, he has an in mind to expand wow. the story and keep it rolling. Oh so, well, I'll watch it. Yeah, because
0: you know, I, and that actually makes the end, which is such an incredibly beautiful, moving sequence. The really end, the is. end credits. But it makes it make a
1: little bit more sense. You know, if is it we're not we're not through. You know, with Elio. One of the big things about that ending, you know, we're we're used now to seeing gags and jokes yeah. over end yeah. credits, but the way they treat the <gasps> end credits in that movie will just rip your heart it out. It really will and it's worth just sitting there till the very end. Not for some stinger, no. but just to, to watch it yeah. through to the very end. Because it really is part of that movie's entire experience to sit through those those credits. It's
0: it's it's somewhat unbelievable to me. How amazing Timothy Chalamet is in that film. Yeah. For being as young as he is. Obviously, he's not as young as he looks because he's playing he had, a 17 year old and he looks like he's about 15. He
1: had quite the breakout he year. He did this have year. quite yeah. the breakout year. Yeah. So, uh, just a, a quick wrap up of the Oscar nominations. We've got a complete breakdown of all the nominees on our website, which is madwolf.com. Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. All right, let's move to the uh, DVD, the home video, the Blu ray releases this week. We've got a bunch. Speaking of, we just mentioned The Killing of a Sacred Deer. We loved it. That is out this week.
0: That That is one of my favorite films of the year. I think it is utterly spectacular. It's the same filmmaker who made The Lobster, which you love yeah, so much, yeah. only instead of being sort of absurd dark comedy, this is absurd dark comedy horror. Yeah. So, and the up comedy our alley. is much oh, darker. So much, much darker. darker.
1: darker. And this is going to be one where it will leave some people scratching their heads, but it's got great performances. We mentioned the young guy, Barry Keegan. Yeah. And uh, then you've got Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. It's such a strange story. It is. But it'll it'll, it'll leave a mark on you. Also out this week on video, one that we just talked about last week, and that was the final year. Mm. So it was out maybe one week in the theaters. Definitely worth it as a political documentary, as we talked about last week, inside the final year of the Obama presidency. I really liked it. A uh, Goodbye, Christopher Robin is out. One of those movies that it's it's nice. It's a nice movie. Yeah. Really nothing more. Right. As it gets beneath A.A. Milne writing the Winnie the Pooh stories Right. And what inspired those stories. So it's, it, it is a nice movie. Donald Gleason, Margot Robbie, and they're fine. It's just, at the end, you're like, that was nice. Right. But it, it tries, I think it wants to go deeper, and it just can't get there. It's just juggling too many themes at once. Also, thank you for your service, Miles Teller. Uh, That one is out this week on video.
0: This is one that is a remarkable sort of tribute to people who are suffering with PTSD. The performances are great. It's not a brilliant movie, but it's a very strong movie with some good performances and just, uh, you know, a topic that ought to be explored more often than it is. So yeah. that's a good one. There's another little oddball coming out this week, and it's actually, it was it was released in theaters forever ago called My Entire High School, Sinking Into the Sea. <laughs> it's an it's, animated movie. It's an animated movie, kind of a hipster movie. Uh, Jason Schwartzman is, is one of the leads Maya Rudolph is another voice. Susan Sarandon is another voice. So it's it's a funny, quirky, odd, uh, very entertaining, very hipster movie.
1: And also out this week, Jigsaw, latest in the Saw series. Jigsaw is back, and boy, was this a waste of everyone's time.
0: Everybody's time. Oh my god, it was just. And you know what? Uh, you know, and I know that you don't particularly care for the Saw series. I'm not a huge no. fan of the Saw series, but I like it well enough. I like. The idea of it, I don't know. It
1: was This movie was so bad. The only thing I'll give it is when you're, you're first watching the trailers when it first came up and people were thinking, oh, well, how how can Jigsaw be back and involved right, right, in right. this? Okay, they come up with a nice little twist of how they deal with that, but the rest of it, totally worthless. Oh, yeah, absolutely awful. All right, another quiet week next week. We're really only looking at one major release, and that's a spooky movie.
0: With Helen Mirren. Yeah. It's called
1: Winchester. Yeah, Ghosties. Ghosties going back to the original story of the Winchester rifle, mm-hmm. I guess, and people that it killed, mm-hmm. uh, got a haunting, a haunting, and Helen Mirren. I think we're in. Yep. So hopefully that'll pan out well. What about this week? What do you think of the movies, uh, either Maze Runner or Hostiles, or our thoughts on the Oscar nominations? Chime in. Easy to do that on our Twitter feed at Mad Wolf M A D D W O L F. Keep this conversation going if you can. As I mentioned, we're Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram and the main website madwolf.com so until next week the screening room podcast sponsored by marcus crosswoods theater and it's a presentation of the columbus radio group i'm george wolf i'm hope madden and this is the screening room podcast see ya i do wish we could chat longer but i'm having an old friend for dinner bye